Try it. Let me try it at home. okay with that it's just i don't know I, this morning i'm picking these or i'm getting the keys everything feels so low everything in here feels like in the bottom no i don't i mean i don't know and then it's been a while since i've done that song so i mean i haven't done that one at all this year so that could be a factor okay um i'm gonna take a little break i'm gonna take a pause and y'all can work iron out glory to i mean to god be the glory and then I'll be back.
Lord, bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Sounds good? All right, cool. Okay. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We good? Okay. Mm-hmm.
Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Um, on your bulletin this morning, there's a QR code, and that allows you to connect to all the online information at our church, including the giving of tithes and offerings, social media platforms, all in one place. And if you're a guest, if you would please click on the menu item for first-time guests, that'll take you to some information about that. Um, At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. So you can give to the vision and mission of our church online, or you can mail a check to 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville 35811. 
or we also have a place in the back of the sanctuary where you can drop off your tithes and offerings today. Um, A few announcements about today. Today, immediately following the service, we have Sunday equipping classes for all ages. Adults will stay in here. The youth are downstairs. The school-age children are in the annex. And um, kindergarten and younger are in our nursery class. So we'd love for you to stay for that. At noon, we have two of our village groups meeting. The tea group is going to meet in the church house, and the bricker group is going to meet in the fellowship hall. And at 6 p.m. tonight, we have leadership training for those who are signed up for that. A couple of things going on this week. On Tuesday at 5.30, the Women's Fellowship and Bible Study will be in the church house. On Thursday um, at 7 a.m., Shipman's Men Group will meet at Just Love Coffee. And at 5 p.m., the Goodson's Men Group will meet at the church house. Next Sunday, we have our regular worship at 9.30, followed by Sunday equipping classes. And next Sunday, the Goodson um, small group, village group, will meet in the church house. Okay, a couple fun things coming up. Um, The women's retreat will be on Saturday, April 29th from 2 to 7 um, up at Montesano State Park. There will be a community walk on April 30th right after the worship service. And finally, we have a church picnic coming up on May 6th, which will be from 11 to 3 right here on the church ground. So go ahead and mark your calendar for those fun things. And welcome. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, I'm so guilty of getting caught up in the (coughs) hustle and bustle of life and the uh, particularly uh, task-oriented nature of myself that often I forget to uh, stop and think about how good God is and how great he is. And um, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, or maybe it was this morning, and there are two, two places in town that always catch me, and I go, oh, wow. Um, I live in on the... Uh, I live on the far end of Madison, and if I'm driving in that direction in the evening, there's one particular spot around the corner from my house. There's a traffic light, and if I'm if I'm in that area around sunset, it always grabs me to look out and to see the sky painted with pinks and purples and yellows and the clouds, and it always takes my breath away. Um, And not just because, ooh, it's so pretty. The Lord did that. The other spot is uh, coming into Huntsville on University Boulevard, right before you get to Target on University, if you know where that is. It's a little bit of a hill there, slight hill, and 
lately I'll look right out and I can see Montesano. And I can pretty much see like just mountains all the way around. And the other day we came through there and Reagan said, oh, it looks like it could be an oil painting because the way the light was shining through the clouds, it was light and shadows, lights and shadows. And it's just that moment of, God did that. How great he is that he would create these things for his glory to direct our attention toward him. And so as we sing this song, please use this as a time to think about, maybe you think about those beautiful things that you've seen um, this week, or maybe it's just thinking about how God has um, kept you and saved you and put money in the bank to pay your bills. How great he is. How great he is. How awesome he is. And he's worthy of us stopping to declare that to him and to one another.
our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 34. Um, Psalm 34, please join with me where it notes people. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atoned for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come. Again, notice sweeter name. 
morning, TBC Saints. Hopefully y'all are doing well today. I'm going to make a change in our uh, liturgy today. I feel led to do something different other than the confession of sins today. I don't know about you all, but I had a hard week. It's been a hard week. Hard week of parenting, hard week of mental distress, and a hard week of sermon writing. And so I want us to spend some time today bringing to God silently whatever the distresses that we have encountered this week, just bring them before the throne today. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Psalm 34. I'm going to read verses 1. Part of this was part of the call to worship, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And after I'm done reading that, I want us to spend some time bringing to God whatever kept us up last night, whatever the stress or problems or fears that we have, just bring them before him today. Here's, listen to the word of God. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. Let us go now in silent meditation and reflection and bring into the Lord all of our fears, all of our troubles. And then I'll close our time in a moment. Father, we don't really know what it means to be still and know that you are God. It's uncomfortable setting in solitude and silence because we always feel like our hands and our feet have to constantly be moving, constantly producing, constantly performing. We just don't know how to set in certain things. But Lord, your word says that you can deliver us from all of our fears. Either the psalmist is telling the truth or the psalmist is a complete liar. Your word says that those who look to you are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Either the psalmist is telling the truth or these words are a lie. 
He says he's cried out to you and you heard him and you saved him out of all his troubles. Either he's telling the truth or he's a lie. There is no shades of gray here, Lord. These words are either truth or they're false. They're either real or not. You know the kind of week I've had. You know the kind of weeks everyone has had. You know some of us had to drag ourselves in here today. Don't, some of us really don't want to be here, for honest. You see the distresses. You see the places where we do life. You see the ups and downs. You see it, Lord. Some of us have cried this week. Some of us have tried to stuff our emotions and pretend like everything's great when it's not. And some of us have overate because we're comfort eaters. Some of us have given our attention to things that we know are not good for ourselves because we're trying to numb. We're trying to escape. We're trying to fix ourselves. But Father, there's no escaping the fall. There's no escaping the hardness of life. There's no escaping, you know, the things that we go through. You've never promised that, that, that because we're Christians that we're going to have this easy, comfortable life. You never promised us the American dream. That's what the culture promised us, but we cannot find that in your word. What you have promised is that you would be with us to the end because you're Emmanuel. And so as we drag ourselves into worship today, We drag ourselves to a God who is present. We drag ourselves in here to a God who is always able. We drag ourselves in here into a God who likes us and adores us, a God who dances over us with shouts of joy. We, we drag ourselves in here to a God who wants to be with us, who wants to hear from us, who is with us forever. We drag ourselves in here to a God who is good, a God who is faithful, a God who is sovereign, a God who will never forsake us, a God who will provide for us, a God who empathizes with us, a high priest who has been through everything that we have been through and yet without sin. We drag ourselves in here to a Savior who says, I understand, beloved. I understand. I know what it's like to have a hard week. I know what it's like for relationships to be hard. I know what it's like to be in mental distress. I get you because I have lived it, and yet I've defeated it three days later. So, Lord, let us see the cross, but let us also see the resurrection. That the places of our life that are dead, that there's always hope that Jesus will bring resurrection. That we don't have to die to experience it, but we can experience many resurrections right now at this time in our life. You know the places of our life that's dead. And so Holy Spirit, as we sit here, Broken, hiding, pretending. Will you soften our hearts? Will you remind us that in the, in the land of the living, we will see the goodness of God. 
even though we don't always feel it, even though we don't always believe it. But your word is true. It is not a lie. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I would like to invite Reverend Lyle Lee up to do our scripture reading, which would be in Hosea chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Good morning. You guys look very beautiful this morning. Hope you received that. <clears throat> the reading from Hosea chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> Rejoice not, O Israel. Exult not like the peoples. For you have played the whore forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. Threshing floor and wine vat shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail them. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. They shall not pour drink offerings of wine to the Lord, and their sacrifices shall not please him. It shall be like mourner's bread to them. All who eat of it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their hunger only. It shall not come to the house of the Lord. What will you do on the day of appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord. For behold, they are going away from destruction. But Egypt shall gather them. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their precious things of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. The days of punishment have come. The, day, the days of compensation have come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. The man of the spirit is mad because of your great iniquity and great hatred. The prophet is the watchman of Ephraim with my God. Yet a fowler's snare is on all his ways and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves. As in the days of Gibeah, he will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Pray with me. Lord, we understand that you love us. And Father, we realize that your love comes with consequences. Consequences for our actions, 
punishment for our sins. Father, we realize that if we truly love someone, we do not laugh when they do bad things. We do not rejoice in their errors, but we hold them accountable with the hope of repentance and restoration. Father, at this moment, I pray that you will give us a mindset of joy. Pray that you will give us a mindset of peace. For you said in Psalm 95 that we should come and sing for joy to the Lord. And we shall shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Father, we thank you because you have given us so much to be grateful for. You told us in Psalm 100 to enter your gates with thanksgiving and enter into your courts with praise. Because of your name. Blessed be your name. Lord, you are good. And your steadfast love endures forever. Father, I pray for those that are mourning during this time. I think of the students uh, in Tuscaloosa uh, who uh, passed away uh, on their prom night to a car wreck. I pray for those last night uh, that were uh, shot, the 20 people that were shot last night in uh, Dadeville, Alabama. Uh, at a birthday party, and for four that passed away. I pray for their families. I pray for all those that were there that would be mentally scarred and impacted. Father, there is so much evil in this world. There is so much radical sin in this world. And yet, we are confident that you reign supreme. Yet we are confident that you live and that you're sovereign and that you are in control. Even when it danger and pain and evil knocks on our door. Father, give us the faith to not waver in knowing and believing and trusting you. Father, we love you, and our hope is in you and you alone, not in our government, not in any of our leaders, not in our, in our neighborhoods or in, in, in anything uh, on this earth that we find value in. Our hope is only in you, for everything else will fail us. And as we go through the sermon today with our pastor, and as we look at having to face consequences, we rejoice and we're thankful in knowing this. Christ has taken on the consequence that we all deserve. Christ has taken on the ultimate consequence of death. And we thank you for that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Be with our pastor and his family. Be with all of our leaders here at this church. Amen. You may be seated.
God loves us with a love that makes us whole. He wants us to be whole people. He desires for us to be a flourishing people. But do we believe it? But do we believe it in our heart of hearts? That's what he wants for us. CBC Saints and guests, this morning we are returning to the Hosea Sermon Series. Are you excited? Are you dreading it? (laughs) We had a long break, and Hosea has been waiting for our return. These remaining six chapters won't preach themselves. So it's time for us to get back on the diving board and jump into the deep end of the pool. It's time for us to once again look back into biblical history and to see how God loves a rebellious, half-hearted people with a love that longs to make them whole. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, open it to Hosea chapter 9. Hosea is a, is a minor prophet, and he's located in the Old Testament between the book, books of Daniel and Joel. The sermon text today is there is a correction, so it's not verses 1 through 9, it's just verse 1. Like I said, it's been a long week. And the title is not Consequences. The title is The Party is Over. The Party is Over. And here's the big idea. A love that makes us whole lets us know when we're living unfaithfully. A love that makes us whole lets us know when we're living unfaithfully. So please join me in asking the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the word. Join me. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week, I will continue to pray each week. And that is, the preacher does not make preaching powerful. You do. Without you, hearts are not changed. People are not encouraged. People are not convicted into repentance. It word goes in one ear and out the other if you are not involved in this process, in this dialogue. So Holy Spirit, our helper, our counselor, the one who leads us into all truth, the, the one who is the deposit that guarantees our inheritance, we need you to, to soften our minds and our hearts and to let the word of God penetrate the areas of our life that need to hear. And so, Holy Spirit, will you minister to us today for our good and for the glory of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This week I came across a baseball story um, used by an online devotional called Today in the Word. Please listen carefully to, to these words. It says, on September the 23rd, 1908, the fans of the New York Giants joyfully ran onto the field at Palo Grounds as Moose McCormick stepped on home plate. They thought they were celebrating a winning run that would defeat the Chicago and break a tie with the hated Cubs in the National League standings. But base runner Fred Markle was called out at second base as he was swept away by crowds and ecstatic players and fans. They were all on the field in glory. But it was a tie. 
that would eventually lead to a Cubs World Series pennant. This story is spot on. Many of us know what it feels like to celebrate victory in vain. Or am I the only one? Celebrating a win that's really not a win. Thinking you're going to get a tax refund, but you realize you owe the IRS. <laughs> Thinking you passed that test, but really you failed. Thinking you're going to get that promotion on the job, but someone else gets it instead. Do you know what, what it feels like when, whenever this happens to us? It feels like someone steps into your life and they play the sad trombone sound. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Your bubble is burst. This is what's happening in Israel in the northern, northern kingdom in chapter 9. The chapter 9, it begins with the northern kingdom celebrating a harvest festival. Similar to the Feast, uh, Feast of Booths, or a.k.a. the Feast of Tabernacles. This holy holiday is the last of the fall festivals. It's always held at the end of the agricultural year when grapes and, uh, and olives are harvested in Israel. It is a time of thanksgiving, thanking God for his faithfulness and his abundant blessing of the harvest. It's supposed to be a rejoicing of, over his goodness. It's a time of hope and, and expectation, praying to God for a next faithful and fruitful harvest season, asking God to bring rain and renew the land. It's a time of remembrance. It's, it's, it's Israel, if you know anything about the Feast of Booths, they are to derail in tents for seven days, remembering God's provisions for them during the time of the wilderness and him delivering them from Egypt. It's a time of sacrifice as well. 189 animals are sacrificed during this week of worship and celebration. Drink offerings and grain offerings are also offered to the Lord God during this time. So here's the point. Israel is celebrating like they are experiencing covenant blessings from God. But Israel isn't. They're singing and dancing and eating like people who are experiencing true security, but Israel isn't. They're worshiping and making offerings like people living faithfully in their covenant relationship with Yahweh Elohim, but Israel isn't. What is a threshing floor? Does anyone know? Do you have one in your backyard? A threshing floor is a large, open, outdoor, hard surface kind of like a, a modern-day patio. A, a threshing floor, it, it has several purposes in ancient Israel. And according to one scholar, some of these purposes are to be a place of, of gathering, a place of worship, a place for political treaty, a place of mourning, a place of sacrifice, a place of worship. So a threshing floor had communal purposes, commercial purposes, and religious purposes in Israel. But the primary purpose is agricultural. It's a place that's used to process the grain of crops during the harvest season. So some of Israel's festivals and activities during the celebration is happening on the threshing floor in Israel. They're having a good old time until the prophet Hosea shows up. Until the prophet Hosea shows up. He arrives on the threshing floor to cancel the festival and tell them the party's over. The party's over. 
He shows up with the trombone. He plays the sad trombone sound. Wong, wong, wong. The party's over. Why? Because Israel's celebration is in vain. They're rejoicing in defeat, not victory, just like the New York Giants did back in 1908. And Hosea speaks directly to them. He says, rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the people. This old Israel is like the southern phrase, oh, bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart, Israel. It's not a praise. It's a rebuke. They have no reason to be rejoicing with joy like the surrounding nations. You see, their rejoicing actions and jubilant emotions don't match reality. Their singing and their worshiping and their sacrifices don't really reflect what is actually happening in the northern kingdom. And and also at at this time, the Assyrians have already started their invasion at this time. And they're rejoicing like everything's good. It's like Rome is burning, but the prophets are debating. So what's happening? Look at verse 1 again. Rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the prophets. For you have played the harlot, forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. These words are the, tra- the sad trombone sound. He wants them to stop celebrating because they're not living right. The party's over. The party's over. Israel plays a harlot. That means they're fast and a loose people, forsaking their covenant relationship with the one true God in order to have a love affair with a false God, committing spiritually, spiritual adultery against the Lord God with a God named Baal. Baal is, a, Baal is the Canaanite deity of life and fertility. He is seen as the one who makes the ground fertile for an abundance of crops. He is the one who is seen to make both animals and humans fertile. This means nations who worship him will rejoice with great joy if they had a great fall harvest. Praising and thanking Baal for his faithfulness, for his provisions. And that that is exactly what Israel is doing. They are acting like pagans on their own threshing floor. Worshiping like the pagans on their own threshing floor. They're rejoicing with great joy like the nations around them. They're giving Baal worship and honor and credit for their abundant harvest instead of giving it to Yahweh Elohim. The Lord already mentions this uh, to the people back in chapter 2. In verse 8, he says, Israel did not know. I want you to listen to God's heart here. He says, Israel did not know it was I who gave her the grain. It was I who gave her the wine. It was I, notice the pronoun, it was I who gave her the oil. It was I who lavished her with silver and gold, which they used for bail. Hear the heartache. In verse 12, he says, I will lay waste to her vines and her fig trees, of which she says, these are my wages which my lover has given me. Israel does love a prostitute's wage on all the threshing floors. They're not just one threshing floor in Israel. It's a bunch of them. 
And so in all of them, God is saying they function like prostitutes there because they worship me like pagans. They're mixing their faith with me and my relationship with me with Baal. TBC saints and guests, this is idolatry. Idolatry is happening in Israel. Idolatry is a prostitute's wages. Idolatry is adultery. Idolatry is forsaking the Lord. Idolatry is for is unfaithfulness to him. And he doesn't like idolatry. I said again, he does not like idolatry. It smells like trash to him. Like dirty laundry. And the only ones who love idolatry is Israel. They love the prostitute's wage. Love giving Baal Yahweh's glory. Giving Baal the credit for Yahweh's provisions and blessings in their life. They love mixing their faith with pagan religion. But all the pagan religions around them. And let's not judge them. Let's not mock them. For we are them. We love and like idolatry too. Our idols it just, they just look different. But it all smells the same to the Lord. Trash and dirty laundry. Our idols have a heavy body odor. HBO, not the TV show, not the movie show, not the channel. I'm talking about you stink. Your idols stink. I don't care how much body spray you spray on them, they still are going to stink. As, one, as, as Christians in the U.S., Idolatry looks like us mixing our faith with the idols of American culture. That's what it looks like. It's mixing our faith with the idols of American culture, like politics. Because if you're a Christian, then you only can vote one way, right? Because if you don't vote that certain way, then you ain't a Christian. It looks like materialism. Consumerism, greed, ethnic identity, sexual and gender identity, power. That's a good one, right? Power. Social media, a.k.a. Uh, like self, a.k.a. my truth. Celebrity culture, technology, status, sports, guns, kids' activities and achievements. We can't forget our American right. Because as Christians, we sometimes think American rights are Christian rights and kingdom rights. And if you believe that, that's idolatry. I hate to tell you that. That's idolatry. Food. Body image. I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. And here's the thing, saints. Idolatry leads to a false sense of security and comfort. A false sense of security and comfort. Our idols blind us, just like they do in Israel. Like I said, the invasion has already is happening already. And that party and having a good time as if, hey, I guess it'll stop at some point. The Assyrians are, have already crossed over, and yet they're having a good party. That's a false sense of security. They're not living in reality. Here's the thing. Your idols would never satisfy you. Why do you think God compares idolatry 
to prostitution in Hosea. Why do you think he does that? It's a vivid illustration. Now, you can't ever forget it now. Because you move from idol to idol. Like a prostitute moves from lover to lover. You're never satisfied. It's a perfect analogy. You go from lover to lover saying, give me life. Make me happy. Give me purpose. Make me feel good about myself. Make me think positive thoughts. But what you do is when one idol wears off, guess what? You got to go to another one. 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 Like, like as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. You moving from lover to lover, even as a Christian, we move from idol to idol. You want your idols to give you what only Jesus can give you. And here's the thing. All our idols are not bad things. Ministry can be an idol. Preaching can be an idol. Your family can be an idol. Your job can be an idol. The very blessings that God has given you, you would turn them into your little gods. Instead of blessing and praising the one who gives you the blessing, you make the blessing to God itself. So what are the good things that God has given you? You bow down and worship them. CBC Saints, please understand our American idols are false gods who compete with God for the affections of our hearts. They're in competition with him. Do you know that? Do you see that? One pastor says, anything in the world that successfully competes with our love for God is an idol. Everything. What is successfully competing with God for your love? What is it? For for Israel, it's Baal. He successfully competes with Israel for their love. At this point in, in, in Israel history, Baal's worship is just throughout the whole kingdom. It's throughout the whole kingdom at this part, part of Israelite history. He's almost like the naturalistic God at this point. He has their worship, their devotion, their loyalty. They're celebrating him as if the Lord God is okay with sharing his glory with a false deity. If you are married, are you going to share your spouse with somebody else? Are you? Are you going to be okay with that? Why would God be? Sharing you with your idols. He wouldn't be satisfied with it either. For Israel, their problem is that they're celebrating while living in unrepentant sin. One of the reasons God sends Hosea to Israel. Remember, he goes to Israel. I've said this before, but when the beginning of the sermon, decades before the, the, the exile happens. So he sends him there in advance to warn them. Exile's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Repent. Repent. They refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. For them, God is the one who loves them like a husband faithfully loves his wife. That's what God, that's what Hosea shows us about God. He's a faithful husband to his people. 
And that faithfulness is seen by him sending Hosea years in advance to the northern kingdom to help his people see the error of their ways and hoping they would repent. That is love. If he didn't love them, he would have never sent Hosea there. He would have never sent Hosea if he didn't love them. He sends him there because he loves them. But yet they continue to refuse to repent. They refuse to acknowledge their sin. And what about us? What about us? Will you let God crash your idol party and tell you the party is over? Will you let him do that? Him doing that is him loving you. Him allowing your idols to disappoint you is him loving you. Him allowing your idols to let you down is him loving you. Will you let him crash your party? Will you let him tell you the party is over? Do you know what the Feast of Tabernacles points to? And who it points to? Who is the foreshadow of? It's Jesus. Did you know that? The Feast of Tabernacles is it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time for Israelites to remember living in tabernacles when the Lord God brought them out of Egypt. It's a time for them to reflect on God's past salvation when he was their redeemer, when he delivered them out of bondage. And so this feast is a foreshadow of the incarnation of Christ. Do you believe that? John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. That term dwelt could also mean this, Jesus tabernacled among us. Jesus tabernacled among us as Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. Everything that's happening in Hosea should always remind us and show us a great need for a Savior. That, there's, that, that no matter what Israel does, they constantly fall short. It shows a need for someone, a prophet, greater than Hosea. Not just a prophet who can speak prophetic words to them, but one who is also a priest and has sacrifices himself for their sins. That's what Hosea points us to. Everything points us to that. Not leaving here to beat yourself up. Not leaving here to get on the cross with Jesus. It, this this sermon should humble you and say, I need more of Jesus. That we're never going to arrive. There's never going to be a place where you get in your spiritual journey where you say, I got this Christian thing figured out. So let me start a YouTube channel and become famous. No. That's not how this works. The more you grow in your faith, the more idols the Spirit's going to show you that you have. So when you say, I want to be more like Jesus, are you sure? Because the closer you get to him, the farther you're going to see you are from him. And that is Christian growth. The closer you get to him, the more he's going to show you, well, you need to end that party. You need to end that party too. 
No, you need to end that party too. So do you really want to love him more? Are you sure you want this? You can answer the question if you want to. I need some, you know, you can dialogue with me here. Yes. Our daily struggles with idolatry continue to show us our need for Jesus. And when the Spirit of God convicts us of our idols, it's never for condemnation. He convicts us into confession and repentance. That's the only way you get free from your idols controlling you is through confession and repentance. That's the only way. That's the only way you get free. And Jesus' death on the cross has given you that freedom. To bring all your idols here. There you go. Every day you get up, there you go. Because, as my old friend Toby Wilder would say, all of life is Jesus showing you that at the end of the day, he's all you have and he's all you need. And for a lot of us, he's going to have to break us in order for us to believe that. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being all that we need and all that we'll ever have in this life. Maybe the hardness that we all have experienced this week, even myself, is showing, yeah, there's parts of me that still need you. And that's okay. And that's a good thing. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for being that good, faithful shepherd who shepherd the sheep well. And so I pray as we go out this week that, Spirit, that you will reveal to us our idols, even those idols that are the good things that the Father has given us, and that you will lead us to a deeper level of repentance and give us freedom from the things that control us. And Lord, I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful and faithful name. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we sing our closing song. Holiness, holiness, holiness.
the four, I give the benediction. Uh, Richard Goodson, one of our elders, has a quick announcement. And we also have some new folks taking their membership vows today as well. Yeah, just a real uh, quick announcement. Um, we have a number of educational materials uh, in the uh, fellowship hall and books. And so we're looking kind of like we had the, you remember the great dish giveaway we had a few <laughs> months ago. Similar thing with that. So we're looking for people to uh, go through those and see which of those uh, you would like and go ahead and take them home. So we're kind of have like a two-week period here that we're trying to do that. Uh, so check those out, and I hope you find some. There's some great material in there. Oh, and in the in the annex as well. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, both fellowship hall and in the annex. Thank you. All right, thank you, Richard. If you are joining the church today, can I please invite you up front to take your membership vows? All right. Yay. So if y'all can like stand, stand right here in front of the pulpit so you can the camera can get you. Yeah, just just crowd on in. Usually when people join the church they bring me gifts. So I don't really see my gifts. Okay. <laughs> they didn't tell you that in the new members class? I'm sorry. They bring you gifts. All right, all, all these folks here went through our Enter the Village class. That's the class we asked all potential members to go through. And so if you're interested in going through that class, you can please see um, uh, me, uh, one of the elders, or one of the women shepherds. And, oh, oh, wait, okay. If you're interested in going through the class, please let us know. And when we do it again, we'll have you on the email list. So I have five membership vows. That each of these vows we went through in the new members class. So... I'm just going to read the question. You can respond with a yes or with a no. First question. Do you acknowledge yourself to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope save in his sovereign mercy? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, and do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Do you now resolve and promise and humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor as to live as to become the followers of Christ. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study with purity and peace? Yes. Welcome to the church. Thanks. Please, after the service, please give our new members the right hand of fellowship after the service. And and please don't sit down when y'all get back, because you got to stand right back up for the benediction. So, Also, after the service, our Sunday equipment classes will take place. The adults will meet here for a sermon discussion. The youth down in the youth room and the village kids will be in the annex. So here's God's benediction to his beloved. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.